0: Well, I am glad you're here today. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to look at Matthew. We're looking at Matthew chapter 25. We're looking at verse 34 is where we'll begin this morning. Uh, It's been a great week. Uh, Marty and I, as you might have recalled a couple of Sundays ago, you prayed for us, and for the last couple of weeks, we have actually been on mission in India and Nepal. We were in those two countries on the other side of the world. Uh, I am ready to preach this morning. Man, I'm so excited, even though I was up for 48 hours straight uh, in our way back. It was a long trip back, but I'm so excited, and I'm ready to preach because over there, it's like five o'clock in the afternoon. I've had four Cokes by now and eight cups of coffee, and I'm ready to go, right? So it's like, it's all good. It's all good. Thanks, man. It was a great time. We got to really talk to people. And uh, our our purpose and focus was actually training uh, Christian leaders, pastors, and leaders in the churches there. And we had great success, a great opportunity to do that. The only place that in one of the cities that we were supposed to go, uh, they actually last week um, was, well, about three weeks ago, they arrested a pastor who had been preaching. And, uh, and actually put him in jail, and he was able to get out of jail, and they, they sent him back to the country that he was from. But because of security concerns, we actually had to cancel one meeting that we were going to have in the country that we were in at that time. So security issues were very high. Uh, we were on alert for what we could say and what's going on in those two countries. Right now, to be a Christian is okay. You just can't share that with anyone else. There is a law now, a new law in both of those countries uh, about conversionism, and churches and people who preach and teach about converting are actually, it's, that's against the law, and you, you no longer, that's a new, a new law for them over the past probably 12 to 18 months, and so it's changing everything about the church uh, in both of those countries that we were in, and so we had a great opportunity to talk about that, to hear about that, uh, to understand a little bit more of what persecution means, and even though we think we know it's just so different for us, um, we can we can you know we can share the gospel freely and should be about that. But in those countries, that's changing so rapidly for them that they are not able to do that now on the street to people in any way. If they are caught, if they are caught even talking about it, uh, they can be turned in. One guy, one pastor said that if his neighbor just goes to the police and tells them that he is trying to convert anyone, that they will ask no questions, they will assume he is guilty, and he will go to jail. They don't, they don't get any trials for it, they, don't, they, don't, they just take the word of another person. So hearing that, beginning to understand that, beginning to see the lostness of the area around you, I wish I had hours this morning to tell you uh, what it was like, but one of the things that comes to mind so quickly, so vividly, is just the lostness of of those countries and the number of people who have no concept of who Christ is. We take for granted the fact that we have the Bible, that we have the Word that's open freely, that we have access to the gospel, but in those countries, there is no access to the gospel. There are no Christian, uh, there are very little Christian uh, programming or radio. There's some, some of it, but there's very little in different areas. And so just to be able to see that, experience that, and then to be able to work with pastors, who are out there, who are doing the work. I actually, uh, Marty did a couple of sessions on vision and vision casting and direction and authority in church. I was able to do some sessions on uh, having wisdom to be leaders, talking about shepherding, some of those things that the pastors were just uh, listening to. And it was just it was a great time uh, to do that, working through a translator, talking with them. But thank you as a church for allowing us to be able to go there. Uh, we so appreciate your willingness and your desire to see the nation's hear the gospel. And that really, really does make a difference. Today, we're talking about what we do in Southern Indiana and how we reach people around us. Because just as lostness is true in their part of the world in South Asia, it is true in Southern Indiana. And so we know that people all around us who are needing Christ and needing the message from the church, and our responsibility and our response is to get to do that, We get to be a part of sharing the hope of Christ as we've been talking about for the last few weeks and then transitioning into how we do that through mission opportunity. Last week, talking about the understanding of how we reach the nation's Today, we're talking about some things as we do here in Southern Indiana, like choices that we were able to partner with. What a great opportunity that we have to partner with them and be a part of what God is doing through that ministry and Grace Station and all the people who are here. Man, thank you so much for volunteering and being part of that. That's just a couple of things that we do in our community in order to make an impact, in order to find a way to share the gospel. And it really is about finding a bridge to do that. How do you get into people's lives? How do you find a bridge to connect with them so that they might hear the gospel from us? And that's a huge part of everything we're about, right? A shoebox is just a a box of stuff, right? Of things that kids are going to love to get. But what it does, it provides a bridge to the gospel. It provides a bridge for us to have those conversations about who Christ is. And so we're looking for those ways to do that as individuals and in the life of the church. But the question is, why would we do that, right? Why is always the first question you have to answer. Now, you have to get to the how, the strategy behind what we do. Uh, how do you get to that strategy? And we'll talk about that at the latter part of the sermon if we have time to do that. But that's important. But really, the why is the key. You know, why am I going to care about people enough? Why am I going to care about the needs of our community? Oh, we we might know some of that from a a heart view, but the Bible is going to teach us from Christ himself the why of what that means. Why do we do what we do as a church? It's not because we've always done it. It's not because we grew up that way. Uh, We may do it that way. We may do some things because we've always done them. We may do some things because it's ingrained in us or it becomes tradition for us, but there's a much deeper reason for doing what we do and caring about people. There's a much deeper reason than, caring what, than doing what we do and caring about people, and that depth of that reason really is from God's Word. It's God's Word that, that controls us and guides us and gives us the reason of why we do things. It should be true in your life. It should be you looking for the Word of God, finding the Word of God that gives you the reason to do what you do. And you do that, you do whatever it is based on what the Word is teaching us. And that's where we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 25 verse 34 is where we will look at today. Jesus in the last couple of chapters of Matthew here that we find recorded by Matthew has a lot to do with parables and that he's been telling. He's been Jesus has been sharing parables, different parables. And, and he gets to this parable here uh, in Matthew, the latter part, starting really in verse 31. We're not going to read all the parable, but it's the parable of the sheep and goats, and you can read that along the way. Uh, it seems that in this parable, Jesus is making that distinction about those who are servant Christ and those who are not. Uh, there is a distinction in this about salvation, and as we read these verses that we're going to read together, though, we, we need to understand first and foremost that these verses are not about doing things in order to gain salvation. Now, some, is, and you'll, you'll understand that when we read these together, sometimes we think that if what we do gains our salvation, or if we do enough good things, then we are saved. There are, there are some people who teach that around us, that our salvation is based on what we do, good works. Well, we would find that not to be true at all in God's word. We would say, no, we we reject that completely. Uh, Even in the Old Testament, Hebrews 11 teaches us that the Old Testament leaders, they trusted Christ, they they trusted God through faith. It was a a faith issue, and it always is, always has been, always is. If we're going to be followers of Christ, it is not about what we do, it's about what Christ has already done for us. He has gone to the cross, he died on the cross, He paid the penalty for our sin by being our sacrifice for atoning for our sin. And because we believe that, then it's our faith in Christ that gives salvation. Sometimes when you read this passage that we're going to read together, there are some who would say, no, it has to do with what you do in order to gain your salvation and we would reject that completely because our salvation is not based on us it is based on what Christ has already done for us it is based on the salvation that we have in Christ who rose from the dead who conquered death for us that's where we place our faith it's not in the activities that we do matter of fact as a church that's also true our, our church theology and our church life is not based on what we do as a church we Hopefully are doing many good things. I believe we are doing many good things, but who we are as a church is not based on what we're doing for our community. Who we are as a church is based on who we are as we follow the authority of Christ and his word. And so what comes out of following Christ and his word, what comes out of our personal salvation is what I believe Jesus teaches us in this passage of how we are responding to people. Not in order to gain our salvation, but because of our following Christ, we're going to do these things. He starts off in verse 31 talking about the sheep and goat and a a great time of judgment. Uh, It's not the great white throne judgment that where all people are judged that he's talking about. Really, he's trying to help the disciples here and for us to understand that all peoples of all the nations are going to hear and going to be judged. That's going to be an important factor. That everyone is going to be judged for hearing the word and salvation through Christ. But really, the point of what this parable has to do is the understanding that out of our lives, then we're going to serve earth. You don't recognize this passage, so let's start reading together. We'll look at this together. If you have your Bible with you, your iPad, your phone. By the way, you can use your phone today on the app. You can pull up the sermon notes, as we have said a couple of times. You go to the app. You go to the bottom of the page. It says connect. You connect to Sundays. You go to the sermon notes, and under On Mission, and it says On Mission Local Week 2, and there's the notes, and you can fill in those right there. And this week, when you have forgotten all about what I said this morning, you can go back and look at it. That's the great thing about having it on your phone. It just helps me a lot. So if you want to do that, that would be terrific. Okay, here we are, Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Parable of the sheep and the goats. He says in verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Verse 35, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king replied, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now you probably recognize that parable. And he recognizes when that parable goes on, he tells them again, the righteous answer, Lord, when did you all this? And he he replied, as we read at the end, you did it unto me. And then it goes on in verse 41, and he tells some of them to depart from me because I never knew you, because you did not do these things that I have asked you to do, the things that we read about there in that moment. But again, you got to be careful when you read this passage, because again, some have connected it to salvation. Well, I didn't do these things, so therefore I wasn't saved. Or I did these things, therefore I was saved. That's not the focal part of this passage and the parable that Jesus is teaching. He is talking about the fact that we are believers, the fact that there are things in our life that would naturally then come out. But in this parable, as he has always done, Jesus' focus is to point to himself, right? A parable is not just in order for us to learn a great truth. There is parable and purpose in that. But the parables that we find in Scripture always lead us to an understanding of Christ. And as believers, it even even more so for us. And when he teaches us in this passage about what he is teaching us, he really is moving us to point our lives and our direction to who Christ is in us. Who who is Christ in us? What do we understand and what do we learn from him? Now, as a church, we're doing so many good things, right? Uh, I've I've written some of these things down. Grace Station, we've talked about choices. We've talked about our food pantry. We have a food pantry over here, and every Tuesday, people are coming and picking up food. Twenty. Families a week are coming and getting boxes of food from our church every week, and they're hearing about Christ. They have opportunity to receive a Bible from us. It's just a great way to do that. In recent weeks, we have been able to give supplies to Hazel, Hazelwood Middle School in downtown. We've been able to, to share them with, to share with them some needed supplies, pencils and paper, and things that they need to have and ask for. And as a church, we were able to use harvest dollars in order to do that. Uh, Slate Run Elementary, the same way. They were here in our building, now they're in their school, but we've been able to help them. I know some of the groups are helping them, making great impact of that. This past week, we were able to help Morgan Elementary School. Morgan Elementary is about two miles from Palmyra. As we worked with their counselors, they said that we, they need backpacks because the children uh, don't have the financial resources. So we were able to give to them, purchase for them, a uh, 100 backpacks. And we just said, here they are, you give them to kids that need them. A Matter of fact, uh, the backpacks even say Graceland Baptist Church on them. Uh, a, a way that we are going to be able to connect with the families in that community as we continue to work in Palmyra. Pray for Palmyra. I hope you are. Uh, we're meeting this afternoon because in three weeks, we'll be going to two services in Palmyra. We're excited about that. They've had over 100. Amen. Thank you so much. Yeah, just to see God working. And we uh, have over 100, and so it's changed everything. And so going to two services is going to be a big deal. Uh, because the room sits 95. We've changed children ministry, but, but the school, Morgan Elementary, an opportunity to serve them, and that's what it's about. It's about finding that bridge in order to serve them. Uh, we're also doing the mobile medical clinic, man. If you haven't gotten much information about that, it's still going out. If, you, if you're no dentist, we need dentists. You're gonna come along beside that. Uh, Refuge Church that we're helping to start in downtown Clarksville. Uh, I don't know if you guys know that we've got a, a group of men, mostly men, there's some women that help, too, that build ramps. And we, they're going all over the city building ramps for people who need them. They send us pictures. And, and one of these weeks, you'll be hearing more about that and seeing some of those pictures. But these guys and the ladies that work with them are just tremendous, going out in the homes, uh, going out to people who need it, and just free labor. And, and some of their harvest dollars are hoping at times to buy Uh, equipment or supplies that are needed most of the time uh, the people who are having the ramps are willing to help fund some of that which is great but so there are just so many ways that as a church we're trying to invest in our community so the harvest dollars that you give we actually give that away right we're giving that to to people around us to needs of organizations so that they can do ministry so as a church we're able to facilitate that why Because as Jesus is writing here, it's about pointing toward him. It's about what he is doing. Let's look for a few moments at this passage, especially as we look at the verses. In verse 34, the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Man, that would be us, right? We have so many blessings. And you see that when you go to another country like India. You see people who are starving, who literally have nothing, who are living completely different lives. And one of the things that always hits you is God has blessed us so much. There are so many things that he has given to us as individuals. There are so many things he's given to us as a church. Uh, we see churches in India that are struggling, in Nepal, that are, that are struggling to have a building to support anything, and we think, man, God's blessing is so good. Then he says, take your inheritance, the kingdom that has been prepared for you since the creation of the world, the kingdom of God, is at hand. And then I want us to look at verse tw- uh, 35, just for a few moments, and some of the things that he tells us, and relate and understand that in these, it is not about us, it is about Jesus So let's look at these as we recognize, first of all, recognize the need of those near us. That's the first thing we have to do, and that's where we begin. If you're filling in notes, the listening guide, that word recognize the needs of those near us, all the needs that are around us. There are so many, but the greatest of all those needs are spiritual. Jesus says here in this parable, for I was hungry. Now, that's the first place he begins. We recognize what hunger is. It did not take a rocket scientist to figure out what these words are, right? We didn't take, it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that in, in this, he is saying there are people around us who need physical nourish, nourishment. And as a church, we do that. We try to give away food baskets and food boxes to those who are in need. We're finding ways to do that. But Jesus uses this term, all these terms, to point to himself. Because you remember when he proclaims himself, to be the bread of life, right? So the hunger that he's talking about here would point to him as being the bread of life. So the bridge that we're building as a believer, the bridge that we're building to those around us is not about just feeding people physically, but we are feeding people with the bread of life. Because as the... Word has been said, you can feed people physically, but what you have at the end, if you don't share the word, the bread of life with them, you can have people who feel good about themselves, who are hungry, uh, who are no longer hungry because now they have food, but when they die, they still go to hell. And so they just die filled with food, not filled with Christ. So it's okay to give away food, but The purpose of our doing that is so that they would understand that the bread of life, Jesus himself, and he refers to all these things, everything you're going to read here in this passage, he's going to have a reference to himself about that. And that's important for us to begin to understand because he's building the bridge. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. What is it that we give people to eat? Food, nourishment, of course but we give to them the bread of life. In our southern Indiana community, people need the bread of life. They need physical food, but they need Christ more than anything else. He goes on to say, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. Well, of course, we know what thirst is. We know that without water, without something uh, liquid in our bodies, our bodies are going to suffer, and we're eventually going to die of thirst, right? Uh, That's who we are. But Jesus proclaims that he is the living water. Right, So if we're going to understand our role in reaching people around us, we're going to understand that Jesus is the living water. And you remember what he said, if you have the living water, you will never thirst again. There will be no thirst in you. Now, he's not talking about physical thirst, is he? We know that. He's talking about the nourishment, the the spiritual life that he is going to give. And he, he says, with the living water, you're never going to thirst again. And then we read the next one that he says to us. He said, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. A stranger, someone that we don't know, someone that we have never met before, someone that's new to us. There are people all around us that we meet all the time. Our eyes have to be open to the needs of the people around us. We know as we are meeting those needs of people around us, it becomes vital to us to meet those needs, to care about those needs. But sometimes there are just people that we don't know who have needs in their life and how do we fill them? Well, as a church, we find ways to do that. As individuals, we find ways to do that. But when Jesus was talking here about the idea that we find a stranger and we invite them in, you see, Jesus says he is the door to life. Uh, Matter of fact, in John 10, he calls himself the gate of the sheep. So there's this whole understanding from Jesus teaching that he is going to invite everyone to be a part of. There is his invitation of understanding that he is the door. That is the only way that we're going to have salvation, that anyone is going to have salvation is through Christ. And so he is the door to our salvation. That very understanding that here he says, I am that stranger and you are the stranger and we are estranged from God before he calls us to himself and we become his followers. But then he is the door. There is no other door to which man may enter. Matter of fact, if we had an opportunity, we'd think about Noah for a moment. And when the door of the ark is uh, oftentimes the Old Testament, uh, understanding of the door of salvation, and that's who Christ is. He is the door, and he is inviting us in to be a part of that. And so that's what he's teaching here too. He is saying that our invitation is to those around us to introduce them to the door of life. And he invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was, I was exposed, he would say. I was naked. I, I, my, I was completely exposed before all things, but you gave me the clothes. Now, the Bible teaches that he clothes, gives us clothes in righteousness. He clothes us in righteousness. He dresses us in righteousness. And that's what he's teaching here in this parable and understanding that all that we are, there's nothing righteous in us. There's nothing good in us except Christ and who he is. He is the righteous one for us. He clothes us. He clothes us, gives us, he dresses us in the righteousness of himself. Not in anything we do, not in our abilities, not in our strength, but in the very fact that He is the one who is our clothing. He is the one we put on. There are so many passages in the Word about putting on the things of God. And here, I believe that's one of the things that He's teaching out of this parable an understanding of who He is. He is the one who gives us what we need. He is the one who clothes us in righteousness. It's not about our good works, it's not about what we think we do or don't do, it's not about our sinfulness. It's about who he is in his righteousness. He goes on to say, I was sick and you looked after me. Well, now understanding that again, Jesus points to himself. Uh, there are lots of things that we do for people who are sick. We pray over those who are sick. We visit those who are, who are sick. John Pierce, who's on our staff as pastoral ministry, does a fabulous job. John John is just amazing at caring for people and visiting people and connecting with people. Many of you have had him be at the hospital with you when, when you're having surgery. And he's been on our staff now for a few years, just doing a, a, a marvelous job of being able to, to be there when people need Someone to care for sick. And and many of the groups that we have in our church are doing the same thing, right? Uh, When someone has a baby, it's, it's obvious that the groups are giving food. When someone's gone through illnesses, their groups are putting up meal chains in order to help. Many ways that we care for people, and we should. But here we understand that Jesus says, I was sick and you looked after me. How does he look after you? Well, we remember that as it points to Jesus, he is the great physician, he is the one who does the healing. All we can do is minister. All we can do is be hands caring for people, but the the ministry, the healing comes through the great physician himself, and that's who he proclaims himself to be is in that way. So it's pointing to Jesus. And then the very last one he says, he says, I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Now, that's an important one that he finishes with. It seems so easy in this passage, right? You were hungry, you were thirsty, you were sick, you were in prison. And then they ask that question, when did we do all that, especially this in prison part? When were, we, when were we jailed? Now, for most of us who don't deal with persecution, it makes a difference. I shared that in one of the cities we were in, we were supposed to do a conference, but that conference got canceled completely because uh, just a few weeks back, a few weeks back, there was a man who was preaching uh, from another country. He was actually uh, caught, put in jail. They had to pay money to get him out and send him back to his other countries, and so we canceled that conference because of security reasons. And so in our minds, he's talking about those who are in that we don't understand persecution like the first century, nor in other countries. But I think Jesus is also pointing in this last one to how many people, how many people around you, how many people in your family, how many people that you work with, that you go to school with, Their jail is not some physical building with bars on it, but it's the fact that they are captured in their sin. They are captured by the evil one who has them captured by by addictions, by problems, by the things in their life that have captured them. And I think Jesus here is helping us to understand that there are people around us that that are so captured by sin in their life, their imprisonment is not behind bars. Their imprisonment is not some jail or some jail cell, but their imprisonment is themselves. It's their sinfulness. It's their addiction. It's their problem. And I think Jesus is teaching us here very clearly that freedom is not being outside the walls of a jail, but freedom is finding freedom in Christ. Freedom from those things that keep us bound to Satan, those things that keep us bound to the evil one, those keep us, those things that keep us bound to ourselves and the sin that we're connected to and can't get away from. And so, when he says here that you saw me in prison and you were and you came to visit me, I, I think what he's, he's one of the things that he's connecting with is for us as believers to understand that there are people around us who are who are imprisoned in their own lives. Now, he goes on in the latter part of this verse, and he, he does the same thing, right? In verse 37, the righteous are going to say, "'Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty? And when did we see you needing clothes? And when did we see you sick? Or when did we see you in prison?' And he says, when you do this to one of the least of these, my brothers, the brothers mine, you have done these unto me. Well, I think the reply that he tells us, that whenever you do this to one of these, that you are doing it to me. And the righteous are going to have eternal life. That's how he ends this whole parable, that those who are away from God will not have eternal life. The righteous will have eternal life. But in these verses helps us to understand that as a church, our purpose and our calling is to care for people around us. And our caring for people around us are through activities that we do. The caring for people around us that you do as an individual are the things that we do, not in order to gain salvation, but because of who Christ is in us. And they don't point to us. They don't point to the fact that we did it or we have done, or any of those things. But really, the the whole heart of this parable is Jesus. And the whole heart of this parable is saying, you're doing these things because you're the righteous one. You understand righteousness to be from Christ. And so whenever you have that opportunity of helping someone who is hungry or thirsty, who needs clothes, who is sick, who is in prison, all those things that he mentions here, the purpose of that is... (coughs) excuse me, wow, that was loud. The purpose of that is to point people to Christ. The purpose of that is to take all the things that are going on in our lives and all the things that we do and it has one focus. And that's who we are as a church. It's not about asking you to give money to the harvest offering so we can make ourselves feel good. It's not about being able to do the things that we have done through shoeboxes and all the things that we're about in order to say, oh, look what the church is doing. It is not about that It is about being able to say, how do we build a bridge in order that we might point southern Indiana to Jesus? That we see people who are in all these categories, but what they need more than anything else is not physical food, though they may think that's true at the moment. What they need is Jesus, the bread of life. What they need is not thirsty or being able to have a drink, though they may Fill that at the moment. What they need is the one who gives living water. And some of them are imprisoned in their lives and the things that are going on. And what they need, what they need, though the things that help them may be a treatment center or maybe counseling or maybe the things that we give to them, but what they need most of all is to find the freedom that they can have in Christ. Who gives that to them? Who helps them to understand that? We do. God has placed us in their path. Now, it's going to come from Christ. We understand that. But he has put you in the place of being able to do that. Maybe it's through a harvest offering. It's to taking an envelope and writing a check and say, hey, I want to give this money in order to do that, knowing the church is going to give it. Maybe it's seeing the people that are around you at school, at work, in the office, wherever you are. But the end result is, the end result is that Jesus in this parable is pointing to himself. And all that we do in the life of our church, and our local community, which we want so desperately to reach is the fact that we're pointing our local community not to Graceland Baptist Church, but we're pointing our community to Jesus. I hope that you will commit to doing that. You may do that by giving an offering, the harvest offering. You may do that by finding the cards that we have that are already out there about our Christmas, all the things that are coming up at Christmas, and their theme is the light. You may do that by however God might lead you, but our prayer would be that we would be about that, not in order to gain our salvation, but because, because of who he is in us. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to help you to understand what it means to be a Christ follower. We would would love to help you understand that the bread of life is for you. The one who gives living water is for you. The one who can clothe you in righteousness is for you. The one who is the door is for you. The one who is going to set you free is here for you today, and that's through Christ. And we want to point you to him. We want to help you to know him because he is raised from the dead. We serve a living savior. And I think if there's anything Uh, There's one of the things that we took away from our mission project this week was to see lostness in such an incredible way. We'll share more about that at another time. But the brokenness, the hurt, knowing that Christ is the answer. And it's not through different gods and different ways of worship. It is Christ and Christ alone for you and for us. He can make a difference in your life. And if he has... If he has made the difference in your life, then the call then is how do we take him to southern Indiana? How do we take him into the office place to school your family? He is the answer for all of us.